Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host, Jared White. As always, I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. Things are happening in the Forbidden Lands? The Forgotten Lands? What do we call it in Elden Ring? I don't even remember. Uh, Oh, now you have me questioning. Is it Forgotten or is it Forbidden? I think it's the Lands Between. There you go, wrong. yeah. I think you're thinking of Horizon, right? Forbidden West. Ah, yeah, yeah. that's gotta be it. But who, buddy? Things are happening. Um, big things, sad things, crazy things, just a lot of events occurring. I basically won't say the specifics of any of them because that'll spoil things. But, yeah, and we'll get to a little bit of it, obviously, at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I'm nearing the end of my journey in that game as well, so I'm interested to see where you're at. Uh, we have some news this week, not a whole lot of news. Uh, last week's show is a pretty big one. Obviously, we went over all the Xbox Game Studios in uh, first-party teams and what they're working on, obviously excluding Bethesda and um, Activision Blizzard, because uh, obviously I, I don't want to make the show three hours long. Uh, but we had some fun going over that, a nice refresher for us to know what's going on there. Next time there's a slow news week, we'll probably end up doing PlayStation before we hop over to Bethesda. Um, but yeah, speaking of Xbox in the quickie news section, uh, Xbox Game Studios Publishing goes east. So last week we had talked about uh, Contraband and there was another title. There was two Xbox games publishing titles. There was another one. It was a smaller one. It was a story-driven one, remember? Um, uh, by the team that wanted to make games for people who liked Breaking Bad and Fargo. I can't remember the name of the game. But anyway, there's some new news for Xbox Game Studios, their publishing division. And that's uh, in addition to revealing that several job openings for a publishing team in Japan, which is the first time since the Xbox 360 era, are available now to obviously uh, apply for. Uh, producer Matt, Spit, uh, Matt Smith of Xbox Game Studios stated that they're already hard at work uh, with top class developers in Japan that are working on, quote, large budget games. Now, this is interesting because um, not necessarily that they're working with good developers in Japan, but the large budget thing is interesting because... It has people wondering, you know, they have the marketing deal with Elden Ring. Are they possibly doing what Sony did with Bloodborne and Demon's Souls and trying to get a From Software exclusive on their platform, which would be really cool? Um, is it a different studio? Is it Sega? Is it, you know, are we going to see Lost Odyssey 2, uh, Blue Dragon 2? Uh, a lot of interesting things going on. Is there a partnership with Platinum Games again? You know, are we going back to the Scalebound hole? It's... We've talked about how Xbox kind of needs to plant its foot and has been over the last four or five years in Japan again with Phil Spencer doing a lot of that legwork. We saw the Yakuza series come over to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we saw Kingdom Hearts come to Xbox, which is huge. Uh, we're still waiting on Final Fantasy VII remakes. Where, where is that? I've been waiting two years plus for so weird. that port. Yeah, uh, PlayStation must have paid up big for it to remain exclusive because even on the box, it had up for a year of exclusivity so it's so odd that it hasn't come over yet it's very weird to me um but are you surprised by this that they're kind of finally cementing an like a japanese division of xbox games uh studios publishing and is there anything you think would be cool to see like a from software partnership i mean it makes sense because that's always been like they, i feel like they've been trying to do this for for a long time right less successfully in you know, past decade, decades, I guess. But it seems like Phil is, you know, at least doing them, putting in more of an effort, more of an earnest 
sincere effort to make it happen. And it, even then, it's that's tough to do, right? Um, it's kind of a rigid thing, I guess, to break into an entirely new market like that. But yeah, generally, I, you don't necessarily like want to see things go exclusive. I wouldn't. I'm I, I'm thinking about from software specifically, but I I think if it's as some I think it makes more sense for something to be revived or something that's been down for a little while to then use like the exclusivity to kind of pull it back up, kind of a thing and bring it back to prominence. So maybe yeah maybe something Sega has um we've talked about Ko uh not Kojima but um uh Konami like maybe there's something there that Xbox can partner with them to bring back that that sort of stuff is i think maybe where there's a cooler opportunity more so than you know what they could end up doing with uh like, like a from software unless again it still could but, be something that like wouldn't have happened otherwise then then that that's always cool kind of like a like a sony spider-man if there's something that they can that's you know more not original in that sense because that's existing ip but you know something that they can make happen that wasn't otherwise yeah, I guess the only thing for me is the reason I wouldn't feel too bad about it being an exclusive game with From is because they've already done exclusive games with PlayStation. So it's not like it's a studio that's only ever done third-party games where they're available everywhere. And it's a bit spiteful on my end, not a fanboy thing, but it's like, if they can get a couple of exclusive games, you know, I'm fine with Xbox getting one. Like, you know what I mean? From the financial aspect too, sure, Elden Ring is selling great and all of that, but these developers also get a lot more money from these deals than they do from their you know, from like a Bandai Namco for From Software, right? They probably got a lot more money working with PlayStation than they did there. At least you would assume anyways. Um, yeah, so I, I'm fine with that. The, the thing is, you, funny, you mentioned Kojima earlier this year. Remember, there was that rumor that his next game is right. cloud-based and he wanted to work with Google Stadia first and that fell through. So then he went to Microsoft and the rumor is that he's going to reveal a, an exclusive Xbox title. And that would be a top-class developer and a large-budget game because that's one thing Absolutely. for Kojima. As good as his games are, they're known for uh, exceeding the budgets that they're initially uh, marked with. So that's uh, another potential there. And that would be exactly the type of thing I'm talking about of, like, that project probably doesn't happen otherwise, right? So, yeah, Stadia yeah. doesn't work out. Um, Sony doesn't really have, you know, probably as much infrastructure or kind of a thing to make that happen well sony now is like, using yeah. microsoft's cloud technology remember yeah exactly yeah. or they just maybe like yeah he pitched sony and they just weren't into it um it's possible too so if it's like if it's making something happen that otherwise wouldn't have then like that's always cool assuming it's going to be good too that's kind of like the obvious what if but yeah yeah i mean because it's cloud-based i and Kojima tends to do his research on this stuff. That's why it seemed like the fact that he went to Google Stadia first seems like he kind of was trying to go for the best cloud-based technology and not necessarily somebody he's worked with before, obviously. Mm -hmm. So to me, I don't even know if he pitched his project to PlayStation at all. He probably started with Google yeah, Stadia, then went to Microsoft, and Microsoft agreed to it. Whereas we still don't know if what if he pitched a different project that wasn't cloud-based to Sony. Because we've heard a little bit of rumblings about the whole Death Stranding thing not going over maybe as well as everyone assumed it would. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm just interested to see what these projects are because that is one thing, like, it, maybe it's Atlas, too. Maybe, you know, there's deals yeah. with PlayStation where they can't necessarily, 
Alice can't put Persona on Xbox consoles, but maybe Xbox is like, well, then just make us our own Persona. You know what I mean? Make us something that's original to Xbox that's in the same vein but is wholly unique for us. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the case. Who knows? Uh, next up, we have a God of War Ragnarok update. So uh, over on April 20th, Corey Barlog, who isn't the director of God of War Ragnarok, he's kind of a consulting producer. Um, he posted a video to their official Twitter for Sony Santa Monica where he basically thanked the fans for their support and he said, quote, everyone is hard at work. We are perfectionists. It's not ready to be shown, but the moment we have something ready to share, we'll be sharing it with you. Please hold tight. And this was in reference to him saying, God of War Ragnarok, it's the elephant in the room. What's going on? And this isn't necessarily like newsworthy. I wanted to point this out because we were talking about before we started the show that a lot of the verbiage he's using here is like, hey, don't be worried or surprised if there's a delay here. Because obviously it's still slated for this year. But him saying we're perfectionist to me is like, hey, we're going to work on this game until it's what we want to release. We're not going to release it because of a deadline. Kind of looking through those words. He said, we're not going to show it until it's ready to be shown. Same thing. Um, and please hold tight, too. Like, a lot of that verbiage aren't things you hear from somebody who's set to release a game in the next couple of months. It doesn't seem like there's not, not that there's not confidence in the product itself, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of confidence in Corey that the team is going to be able to get the game to where they want it to be by the, the time this year ends. Uh, what do you think about it? You watched it before we started recording. Yeah, it wasn't there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of speak you know information in that it was just a lot of well a lot of it was the 4 year anniversary of God of War 2018 so it was a lot of you know thank yous for supporting that game and stuff but then you you're, you're kind of right it, it isn't exactly like inspired confidence in Ragnarok coming out this year and just in general with that game supposed to come out in 2022 yeah we don't have a specific date yet we've only seen one you know gameplay trailer with each day that passes we're now into mid-april with each day that passes it becomes that much less likely that this game hits this year right yeah like each day that passes that we don't get a, get a proper date and see more of it that is so um still possible but every day that passes the odds get slightly slightly slimmer and slimmer and slimmer so yeah i'm starting to get nervous because it's one of my fantasy critic picks too of course well, and it's one of those things where people people could are you know argue like why did he even have to mention the game if it was celebrating the four year anniversary of the first one, and that's the thing is like there was going to be yeah. all of the replies to that video regardless were going to be can we hear more about Ragnarok what's going on with Ragnarok so he had to address it somehow. The thing to me is that not only did he address it the way he brought it up he's like let's talk about the elephant in the room and then he had all of this verbiage specific verbiage he went to whereas he could have just been like hey we're hard to work at God of War Ragnarok. We'll, you guys will see it when you see it. But he like went on a little bit more longer than I thought he would on it. So I just thought it was interesting. Who knows? The game still, could still come out this year, but I don't know. It feels to me like it's like, hey, caution people that it might not be the case. But we'll see. Uh, next up, it turns out, Dom, I know this might come as a shocker. Uh, people love Lego and they love Star Wars. So when you combine those two things together, uh, you have something great. So Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has actually sold 3.2 million units worldwide in its first two weeks of release surpassing sales of all previous lego console game launches as well as sales records across every platform and region this was reported by wb games the publisher not too surprising i purchased it at launch i've been dabbling with it as i'm focusing on Elden ring um you've talked about wanting to get it you kind of have that that fomo itch of wanting to play because obviously you're a huge star wars guy 
3.2 million units is huge. And I wonder, do you, I want to know, know first if you're going to end up, when you think you'll end up getting this game. And two, do you think maybe this is the path for Lego games moving forward where instead of the individual releases of like certain movies, maybe they just work on these collection projects that are a lot more meatier in the content, maybe take a little bit longer to develop, but they might see the financial return on the back end? No. I don't know because that this the, these are really good sales, but I think it'll be interesting. Like they, this is what they needed. This is what like they absolutely needed. Like this was, this was fourth and ten, right? And they got exactly ten yards, maybe a little bit more. You know, I don't know all their budgets and stuff, but this game had many delays and apparently a lot of development problems. And yeah, they went through tons and tons of crunch, and a lot of people that work there are very unhappy, and they have like you know bonuses that you know are very regressive um but bonus like apparently a lot of bonuses in general which are good based on sales so like it's good that people are going to get rewarded but hopefully it's you know done equitably but i i don't think that how they did this from the reports we've read are is sustainable whatsoever so i'm more like they probably need to like rethink their entire like work process of how they're the types of projects they're going to go into and this i don't know from what we've read i don't know if this is quite it um it, maybe if the sales were far are far far surpassing um what they had hoped for even with all the delays and extra development costs maybe they'll go for something like this you know maybe it's a harry potter collection next or whatever else right um but, but i don't know i from what we've read and, I, and i'm super excited to play this it probably won't be too long um i think this is what i can see myself getting into next after elden ring Frankly, that'd be a good palate cleanser, a good change of pace. But so I'm super excited for it. But yeah, I, I don't feel super confident in exactly how this came to be. Yeah, and to me, I guess my hopes are that new leadership would fix all of the the work related issues. And then when it comes from the delays and stuff, we've heard that Star Wars can be a little bit difficult to work with. Not saying that they're fully responsible for the delays, but maybe because they know the scope of the project now and they have they'll have new leadership and stuff i don't know I, i'm just assuming that maybe a lot of that stuff will be corrected i guess my question so. wasn't so much on the sustainability but like what lego wants to do because i don't know if you know remove the the worker stuff which is important but in terms of just sales i don't know if it's more financially beneficial for them to release a lego game every year and get a fraction of the sales or to just develop a bigger lego game for the over the course of three years maybe not a collection but maybe a single game right and then try, try to do it that way i guess that's more of what my question was focused on is the development cycle maybe not the uh the scope of the specific game but who knows we'll see but yeah i yeah. can honestly before you mentioned i completely forgot about all of those reports but yeah that was like the big thing is when it got delayed it's like well here's why it got delayed uh i don't know if it was vgc or somebody that did that report kind of um, surfacing what was going on over there at TT Games, um, and they have had yeah a lot of change in leadership I think throughout <laughs> that. So I don't know where they sit now with with some of those issues, but um, yeah, I, I I guess yeah I'd be curious because you know it's 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 the Madden model right versus the I don't know the Elder Scrolls model or whatever whatever. Well, I, I don't I wouldn't even compare it to Madden. I think it's more work between annual releases than Madden because 
you know, people joke that Madden is just a roster update, which it's a little bit more than that. But I think there's more differentiate differentiation between two annual Lego titles than Madden 20 and Madden 21. You know, it's more like the Call of Duty model, I guess. But yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They're switching studios every year. Exactly. It just appears like it's the same studio, but that's a tough one too. Yeah, they got their work cut out for them. <clears throat> TT Games, man. Like, I know, like. I don't play a lot of these Lego games and stuff, but they put out like such high volume of games that all are like of a pretty decent quality at least, right? They're always like at least mediocre to good. Um, and they just there's so many Lego games so. and great. What well, Lego City Undercover, right, is beloved so by everyone. Yeah, they're we'll see what happens over there. Speaking of Star Wars, we have another Star Wars announcement. This one a lot more positive. Uh, I guess depending on your perspective, it's a. Uh, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So Amy Hennig is working on Star Wars again. This is via StarWars.com. The official Star Wars website announced this week that Skydance New Media, led by industry vets including their decorated and respected Amy Hennig, which we love here at Controlled Interest, has formed a collaboration with Lucasfilm Games to, quote, develop and produce a narrative-driven action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars galaxy. Boy, does that description sound familiar, Dom, for something Amy Hennig is working on. The cool thing is uh, Amy Hennig actually, in response to this, she tweeted the link to the story on StarWars.com. And did you see her quote tweet? I did not. She just said, never tell me the odds, which is obviously the famous Han Solo quote, uh, which also is interesting based on what we assume this game will be, right? Because of what the last Star Wars game she was making was based on uh, with that specific quote from a specific person. I wanted to add, too, that Jeff Grubb uh, attached a quote to this as well. So he said, so Amy Hennig is getting to make her Star Wars game. Lucasfilm Games always was desperate for the kind of game she wanted to make, but EA knew it would be difficult to pull off. So basically, this is cool because this is insight. Obviously, Jeff Grubb from GamesBeat. That Lucasfilm, I'm assuming, loved what she was making. Gary Witta, writer of Rogue One and uh, Book of Eli, said that he had seen the game and that it was incredible. And it was more so EA that kind of pulled the plug, That but Lucasfilm was excited to see that game come to fruition. And something I mentioned to you, Dom, in Discord when this came up is, you know, I think they were like, they saw the outcry of fans after this report surfaced by Jason Trier. Remember that big extensive report he did about Project Ragtag? And I bet you Lucasfilm, not only because they knew what the game was and they were excited about it, they're like, yeah, we were right. The fans wanted to see this too. Let's find somebody to work on it. Let's just have her do it. The cool thing here is that this is the second Disney-owned property Skydance and New Media has partnered with. If you forgot, it it announced in October of 2021 that the studio would, quote, develop a narrative-driven blockbuster action-adventure game featuring a completely original story and take on the Marvel Universe. So this is cool. Amy Hennig, her studio is both working on a Star Wars game and a Marvel game, which I'm both super excited for. I know for you, Dom, the words narrative-driven blockbuster adventure game is huge to you because... There's no mention of multiplayer there. It's from somebody who you've enjoyed a lot of her games, and I think she's a phenomenal creative. Uh, so I guess what I, what I wanted to post to both of us is, so though this new Star Wars game from her and people at Skydance is going to be different from Project Ragtag, the canceled Bounty Hunter game, uh, Bounty Hunter Adventure game by Electronic Arts, I guess what do you want to see from that project translated over? And I, I guess I'll start. And to me, it's, the two things I want to mention first kind of go hand in hand, but it's based on what the game will be, which we don't know yet, is that if it's a game where you create your own character, Dom, we've mentioned this before, let me create a non-human character in Star Wars, please. 
Like, I'm tired of just playing as humans in Star Wars. Let me play as one of the weird alien races for once. Uh, but if it isn't a creature own character and it's their own story, sure, I would love it to be a non-human. But if they want to do a human character, make sure that a lot of the team, because I'm assuming based on how she likes to do things, Amy Hedick's projects are very character-driven and yeah. she likes to have a group of people interact with one another and those relationships are kind of the core of her storytelling. Make sure that a bunch of people in the group are also not human. You know what I mean? One of the coolest parts of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is, uh, man, I forget his name. The pilot, what's his name? Grungus? Fungal? What is it? Oh. Shoot, I can't remember. I can see him. Yeah. Sorry, little guy. But a lot of the characters in that game are non-human. Obviously, one of the pivotal characters towards the end of the game is non-human. Uh, and that's really cool to me because the last thing I need to worry about in a sci-fi world is other humans. Um, so that's cool. But I guess, yeah, for you, obviously we saw that teaser image. I don't know if you remember it. I had to bring it up earlier when I was writing the story of the, the footage of the bounty hunter walking out into the, was it a Tatooine? Yeah. Tatooine. Um, I guess, what do you want to see translated over? Maybe not specifically from project ragtag in terms of what it looked like, but maybe what Amy Hennig has done previously. Like, what do you want to see? I mean, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of how I'd answer that question is is what we already got with Fallen Order. Yeah. So I think, like, take the the parts about Fallen Order that I think were weakest were the platforming, um, some technical issues, I guess. But um, the map, the map was horrible. Yeah, it was hard to navigate a little bit with that map. But if we can get you know, the platforming of an Uncharted game, but even better, you know, courtesy of Amy Henning, then, uh, and less, you know, in, in place of the good lightsaber combat that we had in Fallen Order, and, you know, and focus more on a, you know, a non-Jedi type character, that'd be great too. Um, so I think like a, a slightly different, kind of like a lot like Fallen Order, but more of the gameplay focused on, um, you know, third per- third person gunplay and, and platforming. But also, like, yeah, non-Jedi character would be cool. And then also, and then obviously, you know, narrative-driven, then everything you were saying, like, strong cast of characters, like, their relationships are what they're driving, the narrative, all that kind of stuff is what I'm really looking forward to with this. Um, but more than anything for me, like, I just want new characters and thing, and I want it to be as far away from the core timeline as possible. Even if even if it's in the core timeline, I just don't want it to like butt up against it entirely. Like, well, that's an interesting thing, right? In and out of canon, is that Quantic Dreams game? If it ever comes to fruition, is set in the High Republic. Do you think maybe with this obviously being a new project and Amy Hennig having more creative control of when the game can take place? I wonder if she tackles High Republic, right? That'd be really cool. Like, we don't really have an idea of what bounty hunters in that time period are like, right? Yeah, and I'm not I'm not looked into really any High Republic stuff yet. I've been excited to like get started on that. There's yeah, a couple of books that um are supposed to be pretty cool, but I know I know very little about that era, so it's kind of exciting. Um, but from what I understand, you know, it's 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 still the Republic is is in charge. It's not the era of the the Sith and things like that. So I would imagine that bounty hunter. It's not like it's not like the original trilogy where there's you know bounty hunters all over the place, and then afterwards when there's uh, less law and order this site i assume you know bounty hunters would be more rare and kind of like more criminal less accepted in that sense so that that could be interesting too yeah i don't know i'm i'm super excited for this i'm i'm really glad that that she's getting to do this and that 
yeah, hearing that Lucasfilm specifically is excited about it um, is kind of cool too. So I can't yeah, wait I to guess, see whatever this is. Uh, another gameplay thing I'd love is stealth-based stuff because uh, oh, there yeah. was a little bit of that in Fallen Order, but not like to any real extent. And mm-hmm. I want melee combat in a Star Wars game that isn't reliant on a lightsaber. Like fisticuffs melee combat would also be really cool too. Yeah. Because if you're a bounty hunter and you're getting into down and dirty brawls, that's another thing. Give me a bar fight. I want a bar fight. I want to be oh, able to yeah. handle my business. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. I'm, you know, you're, you're obviously a much bigger Star Wars fan than me. And I would say I'm probably the bigger Marvel fan of us too. So it's cool that we're both getting projects from Amy Hennig because I'm so confident in her ability to tell stories. The one thing for me is that I want it to be a quote unquote Star Wars Uncharted game. I just hope the shooting is better than in Uncharted games because to me that's kind of the weakness of that series. I didn't play four, so I don't know how much better it got, but I did dabble with one and two. I never beat those games, and I didn't like it at all in those games. And I know, you know, looking at the internet generally, that's the criticism is that the shooting is probably the weakest point of the gameplay because the set piece moments are so good, the traversal is really good. So we'll see. That's pretty much it. Uh, I guess before we head out, we can mention our, you know, uh, Elden Ring update. We're both heading towards the end. So I am level 116, 70 hours Dang. in. Did I pass you? No, but you're you're gaining ground for sure. Yeah, because last week you were, what, 110 and I was 90, I think. Um, so now, now I'm up to like 123, so you're, you're catching me. <laughs> Well, like you said, it's hard. You know, levels get obviously higher in terms of rune cost, so it's gonna kind of. I'm gonna meet you there. It's kind of even out. Um, I'm trying to think about how I can mention things without spoiling anything. So, uh, I ended up finding the rot swamp, which is an optional area in the game, which is. Oh, you just now did that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I had not the lake of rot found it before. Yeah. And then obviously that ends up leading to the fight with the uh, astral astrid of the. I, he has a very long name, but it's basically one of the large mosquito bosses in in a, a very Renala like boss uh, arena. Uh, that was cool. He's an optional boss, but he, you get an achievement or trophy for beating him. And then, um, in terms of the main story, I. Got to the top of the castle and beat the boss there that is basically somebody we've seen before. Obviously, I'm being vague for spoiler purposes. You've done that already, right? You're talking about in Landau? Yeah, yeah. You fight somebody that you fought earlier in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. New name, obviously, but basically the same person. Okay. Um, that was confusing me because, yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, it's it's this it's this guy again. But then, but he, But that's not his name. So I didn't really know what to think about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have a like a partial understanding of it, but I'm going to need to watch a couple of Vata Vidya vids when I'm done with Elden Ring to kind of yeah. get the real gist of it. Uh, so I'm currently on my way up the Valley of the Giants, or whatever it's called, um, making my way through there. I've been doing some side stuff in other areas too, but yeah, I'm, I'm at a place now where like, I think I'm nearing the end of the game, I assume, um, but I want to go back and maybe dabble with some of the side quests of characters one thing I realized, and this isn't really a spoiler because I don't know if I messed up his quest or not, and there's an alternate path, but do you remember weeks ago when I was like, hey, Dom, do you remember meeting that one NPC under the bridge near Patch's cave by the jellyfish? Yeah. His name's like Boris the Finger Hunter. Samurai. Yeah. 
And then when you get to the Valley of the Giants, I'm pretty sure you have the same interaction, right, where he's standing there? Yeah. Well, it's not him, technically. It's Exactly. Yeah. That was bizarre, because you show up and he's like, well, we're spoiling this a little bit, but yeah, he's like, ah, you must recognize me for my vessel, but I am not the same person or whatever. Like, ah, what happened Yeah, he gifted guy? me this body or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I eventually, I haven't looked into it, because obviously I'm trying to avoid as much as I as I can before I finish the game, but I'm curious to know if that's all his quest line is, or if there's something you miss that you can trigger, because he was a cool character. Just the idea of somebody who's out there, obviously hunting the fingers, um, is is neat. Uh, which is when you th- learn about that whole thing of like they were the hand, but then they split up, and the reason they're called the fingers is because three of them went one way, the two of them went the other way, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to add. I guess what I want to hear from you most of all is how far in the main storyline you are in relation to me like have you gone through the valley of the giants are you close to the final boss all that stuff and obviously give me your level and playtime update so i'm up to like level yeah 123 i I think i'm 80 some hours now something like that um yeah I've, i've worked through that whole snowy area with the giants um and towards the end of it is where something substantial happens um and then, but then even more continues, and I'm onto a new area, even still. And now I'm, uh, and now it's clear to me that even where I'm at, there's another area close by. I'm not sure how to get there yet, but there's just some stuff I got to explore to figure that out. So, as much as I have also been feeling like getting close to the end, there's also things that I'm wondering, like, well, I'm, I'm not that close to the end. Um, because, because one, that guy in the round table hold. You know, I know that there's uh, three more people, three more like mainline bosses that I've not even gotten to yet, basically. Uh, That's the weird thing, right? Is that there's the Dung Eater, who the only time I think either of us have interacted with him is he's a red invading spirit in the round table hold, like yeah. sitting in the back. And then the confusing thing to me was a gold mask. The only mention I've heard of that name is the thing pointing at the sun. That your yeah, monk guy right. follows. But the weird thing is that in the opening video, he's like huge. I don't even remember. Okay. He's like that's slithering around, and that there he's just like a normal human. So I wonder if he him obviously worshiping the Erd tree or is gonna be the reason he gets turns into a boss. But do you have the the monk following him as well? Like whenever you run into him, is the monk with him? Yeah, okay. Yeah, because Goldmask himself doesn't even say anything. He's just standing there, stationary, pointing, or whatever. Almost. Well, there's actually four bosses, right? Well, things. maybe it'd be a spoiler for you, but there's the woman, uh, the widow, or whatever her name is, and then there's yeah, like Melania, or Melina, or, and then Michaela. Um, but then he also mentions Ronnie, Ranny. It sounds weird. Saying oh, Ronnie, you're talking like about? Okay, sorry. You're talking about the people that the guy inside of Roundtable Hole talks about. Yeah, I'm talking about at the beginning of Elden Ring when they show the the the, the people the cinematic. Yeah, because they show Gold Mask, they show Dung Eater, they show the wolf guy with like a wolf on his shoulder. Uh, I don't remember his name. He's like a silver wolf on his shoulder. Uh, the widower, the woman at the bedside of the king, and then uh, the guy buried with all of the silver coins or whatever all over him. 
And to yeah, me, I gotta watch that again. None of that yeah, sounds to, familiar. Hardly. My assumption is in all of the from games, those are the boss. They're like, oh, here are the guys you have to defeat, or the bosses you have to defeat to win the game, right? Whereas in Elden Ring, I don't think that's the case. I don't know if we end up fighting any of those people, and all of the bosses are the ones like you were mentioning that the guy at the round table hold talks about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I'm a, I was a bit confused. Yeah, and that's just how it goes. Like, I'm getting a lot of story. More so than, uh, like Dark Souls and maybe similar to Bloodborne. Sekiro was a little more on the nose with the story te- storytelling, but even though I am getting a lot of story out of Elden Ring, there's still a lot I don't know exactly what's going on. Even though, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, that big events are happening, I don't necessarily understand the exactly the implications of all of them. But uh, I look forward to yeah catching up on all the lore and exactly what I what's happening that I that I kind of went over my head. But I wanted to ask you if you, one, ended up going back to the Volcano Manor area at all. So I went to Volcano Manor. I did all of the bounty hunts for the people. You did that shit. Yeah. yeah. Then I, I fought... was having fun with that for some reason. I was like, ooh, I'm just out here assassinating people. For these yeah, they weren't, they weren't too people. difficult at all. They're actually kind of easy. Maybe it's because you're supposed to get to mm-hmm. Volcano Manor earlier. Also found out you don't have to beat the Comet Bull thing to get to Volcano Manor. Okay, you found another. You one. can just like run up that ramp and go over it. I ended up beating him and then seeing that you could do that, which was unfortunate. But so you could just run past him. Basically. Yeah. Uh, the Volcano Manor boss. Don't want to spoil it for people. Uh, is the most awkward one I think, and is this might be a bit you know hyperbolic i think it's poorly designed in terms of if you're not a a magic user in elden ring it's like almost impossible to fight that second phase of that boss uh yeah so did you use the weapon they give you uh no i didn't use the weapon yeah that's why it's a it's a gimmick boss so yeah okay so i actually so much trouble (laughs) i couldn't you can't touch them because they have like a magma pole under them so i ended up having to summon a random person that I hoped would have magic because I just couldn't I couldn't fight them uh, and I assumed it might be a gimmick boss because normally that's what happens when there's like an item at the beginning of a boss fight kind of like with the giant in Dark Souls 3 Yorm mm-hmm. um, but yeah I didn't try that uh, there was an oh so there's also the secret area in Volcano Manor did you do all of that stuff yeah yeah and the the girl Raya her whole thing Raya Oh, do you not? You didn't run into her, or do any of that? I don't know who you're talking. I didn't. I completed the whole area, like even down through the houses and through that other castle and everything, and killed the Godskin Pillar. I don't know who you're talking about. So, like in one of the rooms, in the in the proper manner, like when you first enter, um, there's all those bedrooms, and there's there's a girl in one of them. The so her name isn't Raya. You have an idea of maybe what her name is? Uh, it's definitely right, like R Y A. That's definitely her name. It's short for something else too. But oh, Rhea, Rhea to Rhea. me is R A Y A, which is Rhea okay. Lucaria. Yeah, so I talked to her in that room, and also the mm-hmm. like Onion Knight type dude, but I didn't yeah. find her anywhere else in Volcano Manor. And nothing interesting happened with her. If you know, you'll know. I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has a whole weird thing going on. That was uh, but well, where's the next area you run into her? 
it's all in there. It's all in the manor and in the that village area. It's all within that. But you don't remember the second area after she leaves, like that room. I'm gonna look it up, I guess. I yeah, because I went through that whole area and I didn't run into her at all. I mean, the, so the second place you find her is like it's kind of hidden, sort of. It's gonna be tough. It's tougher to find, but there's another part of the story, I guess. That she's in the same spot. She's in that same room, but something happens to her. You find something out about her. And it's weird. Interesting. I'm I'm reading about it. Hold on. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, there was a volcano manor which I went through. What was the other thing you were gonna say? Because you had a couple of points. Oh, and then did you ever run into um, our boy Alexander the Pot anywhere in the Gilnir Mountain area? I I have not found him after the Radon boss fight. No. Okay. Look around the mountain, um, and you'll find him. And uh, you gotta kind of like really explore around that outer mountain area. Is it and, is it uh the area before the bonfire to get up to the crater cow, or is it the other mount area that's like the back pathway? It's more like the back pathway, yeah. Okay, like yeah. past but him, find... uh, like around, or are you talking about the other way where it's like uh, like the it's the other side of the bridge, kind of area. Yeah, I think it's the other side of that bridge. Okay. Um, it it might take some doing. I don't know exactly how I got there, but you find him, and it's just like a hilarious encounter. Um, but I won't spoil it. You'll appreciate it. He's just he's the man. That's hell all. yeah. That's the um, thing too that like we were talking about in a previous episode how there's so many NPCs, which is really cool. But the downside to that is. There's too many NPCs to like do all of their side quests and like you're so focused on so many things that like you kind of lose track of them, it. you know. Yeah. That's why I always encourage like some amount of looking stuff up or at least, you know, kind of like we do where like just directing people like, well, you should go check that area out and go see what you find, you know, cuz otherwise you could miss out on fun stuff. Um so it's kind of Okay. Like, this is the bummer, though, of looking stuff up, because reading where she's at next in the manor kind of spoiled something about her, which I would have been cool to see. But <laughs> That's what yeah. I was talking about, yeah. Yeah. I was wild. I was like, oh, okay. That's what's and when I saw those here. enemies pop up, I was like, oh, Sense Fortress, great. <laughs> That's yeah, what it gave me the exactly. vibe of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to ask me regards to Elden Ring? Oh, uh, I don't think so. Do you think we both finish it in the next couple of weeks? I figure I have uh, one or two more weeks. Yeah, at least for like the main story. Uh, yeah, I'll probably keep playing for a bit after that. But I th- I gotta be getting close. I just gotta be. Well, I know that there's like other areas that are optional that you don't. Ha- I mean, it's it's a from game where you don't have to necessarily do them. Because I remember. I hopped into a stream of somebody and they were like, I beat the game, but I'm hopping in to explore this area I hadn't before. And obviously I ditched the stream before I got it spoiled. But yeah, we'll see how that ends up playing out. Cause I'm not getting burnt out on Elden Ring, but I am getting to the point where like, I kind of want to play. It's not that I don't want to play Elden Ring anymore, but I also want to play other stuff too. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I might kind of sprint to the finish line depending, but we'll see. Uh, In terms of like trophies, how is that going for you? Is it, because I've heard this game is pretty easy to platinum or complete in relation to other From games. So I did. That is one thing I I have to do. Um, it's not easy to platinum, certainly not at all. Because you got to play through the game three times. 
Um, Interesting. Unless, unless you um, basically um, hide away a save right before the end of the game, come back and get the other endings. That's kind of the, the okay. Thing. So I try basically, you know, try to get as little information as I can to make sure I do, you know, just the right thing. And it's it's simple and it's it's easier in this game because there's not as much lead up to get the different endings of quests that you have to do. There's basically one main quest you have to work on, um, but then at the end it's just kind of a choice that you get. To, kind of like Dark Souls one where you just like. What's the, the main quest? Is it Ronnie's quest? Yeah. Okay. That's of what I assumed. You're basically done with because you went and beat that that mosquito guy. So, did you follow? Did you jump in that? Um, uh, what's it called? The thing you get buried in. You, where people get buried in. Yeah, you Boxes. go. You go in the casket. That takes casket. you to that fight. And then behind him is a wall, a wall that's sealed off that I can't get through. Uh, okay. So I, I, I think I'm gonna go and look at the Ronnie quest line to see what I need yeah. to do next. Because the last thing I yeah. did is find her doll. Is the last thing I can remember. Yeah, I forgot. There's something. There's one other thing you got to do, and you go past that. You know that wall you can't get past, and then it takes you somewhere else. Cool. You'll find it. <laughs> uh, what else is there to say? I don't think anything else. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the middle of the year. Uh, so obviously we're getting closer to the E3-ish announcements. I don't even know. Summer Game Fest, I guess, is what we're going to label it this year for the Jeff Keighley Awards or reveals. Um, in terms of uh, the uh, Critics League, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, poor Chris, friend of the show, Topher Noons, uh, kind of the third in. chair, is having a rough go of it. Me and you, it's interesting because you have way more games that have released but I think on a per score, I might have a slightly higher average thanks to Elden Ring. Um, the thing that killed me, I mean, it didn't kill me, but my two uh, counter picks both scored above 70. So I got negative 13 points because of that. Because Ghostwire Tokyo got me negative 7. Dying Light got me negative 6. Uh, your counter picks, obviously, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. You got 0 because that was confirmed not coming out this year. So that was good. And then a Plague Tale Requiem, which we don't know yet. What could bite you could also be a zero. Who knows? I also forgot that we have to pick up a third counter pick before the end of the year, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, upcoming in terms of our releases, I have Nintendo Switch Sports, which the preview seemed like it's going to score pretty well. Uh, I also have Salt and Sacrifice, which is coming out uh, in like a good. couple of weeks. Uh, I also picked up The Quarry, which I hope is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your next game is uh, Mario Strikers Battle League. And then Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. So we'll see what happens there. You're currently 100 yeah, points with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. You're averaging a little over 10 point. Well, no, yeah, like 10.1 points a game, kind of. And I am at 60 with four games. So yeah, I have so much that is already out and already scored. Um, I'm glad that I actually ended up um, getting two spots back. Um, and I'm kind of just I'm just sitting on those, and we both have some money back, so I'm sure that there's going to be some announcements, you know, this summer stuff that's coming out this year that we can have a little bidding wars on. Um, well, did any of us? That. You have Redwall, right? Yeah, because that's one that I was like, is yeah. that actually coming out this year? Who knows? We'll see. But it could benefit you though that you have a lot of games already out that have scores, because who knows, right? If there's going to be even be enough games of quality to fill out our list by the time it's you only have two spots I, open. I have. I gotta figure like six stuff we don't know about yet that we don't even know it exists yet that's going to get announced and still come out this year i feel like there's a good chance for 
couple of those um or stuff that we haven't heard about in so long or forgot about and we didn't know it was coming out this year but then i just once the summer rolls around then i'll feel more comfortable filling out the roster yeah and poor chris i had to mention him he has five games released with a total of 26 points so he has one more game than me and less than half of my points he uh obviously suicide squad is uh delayed so that was a zero martha's dad was a negative one for him Lego Skywalker Saga got got him 12 points, but Ghostwire got him 7, and Tiny Tina's got him 8. So we'll see what happens there. He still has Starfield on his board, which I think I get him huge points, and Gotham Knights too, so we'll see what happens there. That's been episode 244 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Thank you guys for listening. If you can head on over to YouTube, search our name. It'll come up and uh, subscribe for more videos so you never miss one. Hit the bell notification. Leave us a comment. What games are you playing lately? Are you done with Elden Ring? In terms of uh, Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. It's controlled interest abbreviated. Dom can be found at OBDomKenobi. The O and OB is the letter number zero, not the letter O. I am at Jared Weich. It's my name, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. And uh, listen to us on Spotify or any other podcast service of your choice. Leave a review if you do. It definitely helps us out. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week when maybe one of us beats Elden Ring. Maybe we don't. We'll see. See you guys then.